The following is a presentation of God Questions Ministries. Surviving the end times. What do I need to know? Oftentimes, people experience anxiety when they think about the future. However, it does not have to be that way. For those who know God, thoughts concerning the future bring about eagerness and comfort. As an example, describing a woman who knows and trusts God, Proverbs 31 verse 25 says, She smiles at the future. The two key thoughts to keep in mind about the future are, first, God is sovereign and in control over everything. He knows the future and absolutely controls what will happen. The Bible says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. Isaiah 46 verses 9-11 through The second thing to remember about the future is that the Bible outlines in specific details exactly what will occur in what Scripture calls the end times, or latter days. Because the Bible is God's revelation to humankind, and because God knows and controls the future, as Isaiah says, then it stands to reason that when the Bible speaks about what will happen in the future, we can believe it. Concerning predictions about the future, the Bible says, No prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. 2 Peter 1 verse 21 This truth is made evident by the fact that, unlike supposed prophecies made in other religions, or by individuals, such as Nostradamus, who said they could predict the future, that did not come true, the Bible has never once been wrong. Every time the Bible has predicted a future event, it happened exactly as Scripture said it would. When considering how to understand and survive in the end times, three key questions need to be answered. 1. How should I interpret what the Bible says about the future? that is, biblical prophecy. 2. What does the Bible say will happen in the end times? And 3. How should what the Bible says about the future affect the way I live today? How to Interpret Biblical Prophecy There are a number of opinions and viewpoints that surround what interpretive methods students of the Bible should use when reading passages in Scripture that concern the end times. While there are good people espousing different beliefs, there is good evidence to believe that biblical prophecy should be interpreted, one, literally, two, with a futurist view, and three, in what is called a premillennial manner. With respect to a literal interpretation, it should be understood that there are some 300 prophecies that concern the first coming of Christ, all of which were fulfilled literally. The predictions surrounding the Messiah's birth, life, betrayal, death, and resurrection were not fulfilled allegorically or in a spiritual manner. Jesus literally was born in Bethlehem, performed miracles, was betrayed by a close friend for thirty pieces of silver, was pierced in his hands and his feet, died with thieves, was buried in a rich man's tomb, and was resurrected three days after his death. All of these prophecies were predicted hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus was born and were literally fulfilled. And while, indeed, there is symbolism used in various prophecies, for example, dragons, horsemen, etc., all of it portrays literal beings or events, in much the same way that Jesus is spoken of as a lion and a lamb. Regarding a futurist view, the Bible clearly states that prophetic books like Daniel and Revelation contain not only renditions of past historical events, but also things that will happen in the future. When John was given his commands for the churches of his day, 
He then received his visions concerning the futuristic things that would occur in the end times, and was told, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Revelation 4, verse 1. But perhaps even a stronger argument for a futurist view revolves around the promises God made to Abraham. Genesis 12 and 15. Concerning the land of Israel. Since God's covenant with Abraham was unconditional, and his promises have not yet been fulfilled to the Israeli people, then a futurist view of Israel and the prophecies surrounding the people of Israel's return and possession of Palestine must occur. Finally, with respect to prophecy being interpreted in a premillennial manner, this means that Jesus Christ will return and then reign over the earth for one thousand years in a perfect rule. Five times in Revelation chapter 20, the scripture says that Jesus will return first and then reign for one thousand years. Hence the name pre, indicating before, and millennial, which means one thousand. There is no reason to take what scripture says in any other way, except that Jesus will first return and then begin a one thousand year rule over the earth. But what does the Bible say will happen before then? What does the Bible say will happen in the end times? Sadly, the Bible predicts a downward spiral of catastrophes, human sin, and religious apostasy before Christ returns. Paul writes, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. Evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 and 13 The world will continue to reject God, His Word, and His people. Some day in the future, a day no one knows, God will end the church age which began in the first century on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, with an event known as the rapture. This will be when God removes all believers in Christ from the earth in preparation for His final judgments. Of the rapture, Paul says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 14-18 the erosion of peace, an increase of turmoil that precedes the rapture, will reach epic proportions when untold numbers of people disappear from earth. Such a vacuum will cause panic and scream for a strong leader who will have answers to all the world's questions and problems. The setting of the stage for this leader has been in progress for some time, as historian Arnold Toynbee has noted, by forcing on mankind more and more lethal weapons and at the same time making the world more and more interdependent economically, technology has brought mankind to such a degree of distress that we are ripe for the deifying of any new Caesar who might succeed in giving the world unity and peace. Out of a revived Roman Empire, one that is organized in a European ten-constituency fashion, Daniel 7 verse 24, the Antichrist will arise and sign a covenant with the nation of Israel, which will officially begin God's prophetic seven-year countdown to Christ's second coming. Daniel 9, verse 27. For three and a half years, the Antichrist will reign over the earth with a false peace being promised, but a peace that is nothing but a trap for the people of the earth, as the Bible says, while they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verse 3. Wars, earthquakes, famines, and more will escalate, Matthew 24, verse 7, until the end of Antichrist's three-and-a-half-year reign, when he will enter a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and proclaim himself to be God and demand worship, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. It is at that point that the Creator and true God responds to the challenge. For another three-and-a-half years, a great tribulation will occur, such as has never before come upon the earth, one which the prophets and Jesus predicted. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. Untold loss of life and destruction of the earth will occur during this period. Also, many will come to faith in Christ, yet many will do so at the cost of their lives. But God's sovereign hand will still be in control, as the Lord Himself gathers the unbelieving armies of the world together for His collective judgment of them. Of this event, the prophet Joel wrote, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people. Joel 3 verse 2. John records the battle this way, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, Satan, and out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits, like frogs, for they are the spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole world, to gather them together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief, Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes, so that he will not walk about naked, and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Har-Mageddon. Revelation 16, verses 13-16. At this point, the Messiah, Jesus, will return, destroy his enemies, and claim the world, which is rightfully his. John's revelation describes this glorious event in this manner. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations." and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone." and the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. After Christ has defeated all the armies gathered in the valley of Armageddon, he will reign for one thousand years in a perfect rule with his saints and fully restore Israel to her land.
At the end of a thousand years, a final judgment of the nations and all remaining mankind will occur, which is then followed with either an eternal state spent with God for those who follow Him, or an eternal separation from Him for those who do not follow Him. Revelation chapters 20 and 21. These are not speculations or possibilities. They describe exactly and precisely what will take place in the future. Just as all prophecies came true and were fulfilled in Christ's first coming, there is no reason to believe anything will be different with those that speak of His return to the earth. Given the truth behind these prophecies, what impact should they have on us now? Peter asks the question in this way, Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat? Second Peter 3, verses 11 and 12. The Effect of Bible Prophecy on Us Today There are four effects that the truths of Bible prophecy should have on us today. The first is obedience, which is what Peter speaks about in the verses I just read. Jesus continually tells us to be ready for His coming, which could come at any time, Mark 13, verses 33-37, and to live in a way in which we are not ashamed of our lives and behavior. The second is worship. Because God has provided a way to escape His end-time judgments, we need to be sure we receive His free gift of salvation offered through Jesus now and live in gratitude before Him. John shows this in his description of heavenly worship for Jesus. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Revelation 5, verse 9. The third is proclamation. The message of God's salvation and of the truth of His second coming need to be proclaimed for all to hear, especially to those who don't yet believe, so they can turn to God and be saved from His coming wrath. Revelation 22, verse 10 says, and he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. The last effect God's prophetic word should have on us is service. All believers should be diligent about carrying out God's will and performing good works that are an outworking of the salvation that has taken place in each Christian's heart. Part of Christ's judgments will be of the works performed by believers. They do not determine a Christian's acceptance into heaven, but show what each believer did with the gifts and opportunities given to him or her by God. Paul says of this judgment, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 All of this can be summed up with the same thoughts that began this article. God is sovereign over all events and people of the world. He is firmly in control of everything and will bring a perfect end to everything he has started. An old Christian song puts it like this, All is God's creation, fashioned by one hand, Satan and salvation, under one command. The fact that the Bible is a supernatural book is evidenced by the truth that every prophecy conveyed by it to date has been fulfilled. This being the case, it is reasonable and rational to conclude that what it says about the prophecies for the end times will occur as well. For those who know Jesus and have trusted Him as their Lord and Savior, His coming will be their blessed hope. Titus 2, verse 13. For those who have willingly rejected Christ, He will be their holy terror. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8. The bottom line is this. To survive the end times, make sure you are a believer in Christ. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. God Questions Ministry seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical answers to today's questions. Online at gotquestions.org.